the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And welcome to the Thursday, July 30th edition of Lifeline. Amazing to think we've got one more day and July is over with. And we've uh, leapt well into the seventh month of the year. And uh, a lot of us are longing for 2019, no doubt, in the wake of all that's been going on in the news. Well, we'll try to bring you a little bit of relief even as we address many important issues of the day today. Um, And there is some good news even in spite of all that's going on. Uh, I want to pause here at the start of the program and uh, acknowledge the sad loss of Herman Cain, um, the former presidential candidate who, of course, passed away from complications related to COVID-19, something which he had contracted just uh, two short weeks following his attendance at the presidential uh, campaign rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, earlier in the month. And... um, Sadly, underscoring once again the need to take this pandemic seriously. And if you don't want to wear a mask for the sake of others, or don't want to wear a mask even for the sake of yourself, wear a mask for the sake of your loved ones. Wear a mask for the people that will miss you when you are gone. Because while we might be playing with this pandemic This pandemic, as you look at the global numbers, is certainly not playing with us. So, just a gentle reminder, even in the midst of more tragic loss of life, 150,000 Americans have expired since January of this year, and sadly, Herman Cain's name now added to that list. So, just a reminder, let's take it seriously. All right, a little bit later on, we're going to talk uh, seriously with Brian Johnston in relationship to some of the key issues that are pivotal to this year's campaign. There is an election coming up in November, if you weren't, <laughs> if you weren't aware of that. And while certainly we've talked about a lot of critical issues, the current pandemic, the economy, civil rights, voting rights, there are other issues that are of importance that aren't getting enough attention. And we're going to expose what some of those are later on tonight's program. Also, the founder and president of Gospel for Asia, our dear friend K.P. Yohannan, will um, stop by and join us on the program, give us an update as to uh, uh, the news that you might have caught earlier in the month of a tragic mine accident related to a flooding and uh, a flash flood that ended up claiming the lives of more than 150 people. Once again, underscoring... The sadness at which the the uh, the first world, the Western world, tends to um, unfortunately and unwittingly um, really take advantage of people in poor conditions because we've got to have that nice shiny diamond on our finger or around our neck, or in this case, uh, accompanied with some jade. 
sad state of affairs, but there is some good news behind all that's transpiring in Miramar. We'll tell you about it when K.P. Yohannan joins us later on in the program. But I want to start tonight with another topic. You might have seen a little bit of news on this, that um, this past Tuesday began the beginning of the annual Hajj or the annual pilgrimage of Muslims to Mecca in Saudi Arabia. Now, um, this event began on Tuesday of this week, as I say, and will run through Sunday, August the 2nd. Um, It is fundamental to Muslim faith, part of the the five pillars of Islam. And normally when Hajj takes place around this time annually, it attracts pilgrims from around the globe in the millions. In fact, on average, about two million people descend upon Saudi Arabia and Mecca during this time of year. But this year, in the wake of COVID-19, a very different Hajj, a very different pilgrimage to Mecca, where because of limitations and fears over COVID-19, which has already claimed the lives of almost 3,000, Saudi Arabia, in fact, has the 14th largest uh, case of COVID-19 in the globe with uh, over over a quarter of a million people um, that have been infected by it. And so in response to that, the authorities um, in Riyadh have said, we're going to hold a tight lid on Hajj this year, limited pilgrims to just 10,000. Major difference. But this is not the only impact of COVID-19 in the Islamic world. In fact, in other countries, in the wake of the concern and fear that, frankly, we're all feeling, God has been using this as a means of reaching hearts. And tell us more. We're joined now by Pastor Hormuz Shariat. He is the director of Iran Alive Ministry. He's been involved in this movement of reaching Iran for Christ for many, many years now. He is the founder of the Iranian church in Sunnyvale, where he pastored for over 23 years, and now is very um, involved in outreach via satellite into Iran. And Pastor Hormoz, great to have you with us. Oh, thank you so much, Craig. I'm glad to be on your show sharing what the Lord is doing. There is indeed some exciting news, and as I say, it seems these days, every time you turn on the TV or or open up a browser to the Internet, it's nothing but more bad news heaped upon more bad news. But, you know, uh, what the enemy intends for evil, God can use for his glory. And that certainly, as you're suggesting, is being demonstrated in a country like Iran, where frustration over the economy and and, and maybe even some of the, the initial seeds that were planted way back during the, pardon me, the so-called um, uh, Arab Spring a decade ago, are beginning to really bring fruit. And tell us a bit about what's been going on. Well, you know, the Islamic world on one side and Iran is on the other side. What I mean is what's happening in Iran is so unique. No other Islamic country is like that. Uh, what God is doing there is uh, supernatural, and it's in a major development. It's a major defeat of Islam in the world, and it's in history, in, 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 in the world, actually, not just in the Middle East. It's the, Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world. So when you get to Iran, you see uh, what you just said about God. You can see that in Iran, the, so much suffering, so much cruelty, so much injustice, and at the same time, God is doing a great work, is breaking the power of Islam over Iran. And Iran, 
uh, has become the forefront of God's work in the Islamic world. Iran as a nation has rejected Islam, and it took 40 years of Islamic rule that people of Iran by millions and millions have come to a point that say, Islam is not the way, Islam is not our solution, Islam is our problem, and we need to get rid of it. So evangelism in Iran, may I say that? Easy, Craig, easy. When I share the simplest message on the both Internet and on satellite, we, we see hundreds, hundreds of people come to Christ every month. And, the, and by the way, since the COVID started, um, beginning of this year, and the economy is bad in Iran, you know, because of sanctions, because of the um, oil prices dropping, the Iran, the government, and the people are in uh, big trouble in economy. And at the, and the people and the government have killed people on the street. See, these are the factors. The cruelty of the government, people protesting and killing them on the street. So here is the good news, Craig. Are you ready for that? Since the beginning of this year, we are seeing a surge in the number of salvations among Iranians. Over the years, we always had that. Iran has the fastest-growing evangelical population in the world. But there is a supernatural surge. Ten times more we see salvations the last three months than ever. For the last 20 years, we have been on satellite. And suddenly, starting the month of May, we saw ten times growth in the number of salvations. Every, every week, over 500 people are contacting us. And by the way, it's dangerous to contact us. And our uh, phones and uh, the way to co- connect to us is blocked and it's dangerous. So 500 people are telling us we are coming to Christ every every week the last three months. But this is what's wow. happening in Iran. And, you know, in many respects, as much as we find this perhaps in the Western world astonishing news, there has been that remnant, that seed that has been there, the desire for liberty and freedom uh, for many, many years. And, you know, we've seen Iran go through some horrific experience, starting back with the revolution in the late 1970s. My gosh, we're 41 years into that. And then, of course, not long after that, then began the protracted war between Iran and Iraq that claimed tens of hundreds of thousands of lives. And, of course, under the oppressive uh, regime there, um, people have longed for not only freedom of, of worship, freedom of thought, freedom of the press. I mean, there's been so much that they have been denied. And now to see, as we've seen in so much of the world, where people are taking a serious accounting of where they're at in their life and and really trying to evaluate what's important to me when you're suddenly facing your own mortality and and matters of life and death. And, and, and I guess in some ways this is really contributory to the willingness, as you're suggesting, uh, Pastor Hermos, of people even willing to to take their own lives at risk, which essentially is what happens in a country like Iran, when you when you openly potentially abandon you know, the Islamic faith and embrace Christianity, I mean, they realize there is a serious count, uh, a cost to be counted, and yet, nevertheless, there is so much of a hunger for the truth, a hunger for freedom, that they're willing to take that risk. That's true. You know, when you come... Out of darkness, you appreciate the light so much more. I see that dedication, that appreciation of who Jesus is and what he has done so much. They appreciate that many of them are not 
afraid to die and to live for Jesus, and, and many do. Let me uh, tell you this story. I was uh, training some of the leaders. You know, I cannot go to back to Iran. Of course, the government of Iran wants me back there and to arrest me. Uh, but I, uh, I set up uh, conferences in a third country. So I was in a third country. Um, I was in Turkey. This is many years ago, so I wouldn't put people's lives in danger telling you. And I brought some people, some leaders from underground church in Iran to train them. And here, most of them were young people. And the whole intensive one week of training, they were there. And I, me and some other teachers were teaching them from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And they were still hungry. After 10 p.m., we were all tired. We would go to bed. And these people, young people, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. every night, they would sing, worship, dance for four hours. And they would nonstop. So it was the last day of the conference. They were going back the next day. So, uh, and I saw them so joyful, singing, dancing. So I said, maybe I haven't taught them about persecution. Do they know they could be arrested on the way back even tomorrow at the airport? Do they know that they may be called to pay the highest price? They may be executed for their faith? Maybe they don't. Maybe I didn't teach them well. So I interrupted their worship and I said, sit down, sit down. I have another uh, message for you. They respectfully sat down and I told them about persecution, the reality of persecution, that it's a part of Christian life and especially if you serve the Lord. So for half hour, they sat down quietly listen to me and after one after the service after the message uh, they said you know what they said Craig they told me Pastor Ormos, don't worry about us we know what we got into when we were Muslims we were ready to die for Allah who is a cruel and a distant God how much more we are ready to die for Jehovah who is a loving and intimate God we know what we got into. We know that. So don't worry about us. By the way, you interrupted our Jesus party. Can we go back to worship and singing and dancing? So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and it, and it really shows the, the, the power of the gospel to change hearts and lives and that people that have tasted of that goodness, as Scripture tells us, uh, really indeed do have something to celebrate and are brave even in the face of death. And, you know, if you look historically at the first century church, if you look at the church uh, depicted in the, the book of Acts, we understand that the risk to life was constantly there. It was ever-present. Um, and yet, you know, I think the old uh, the old observation by by Apostle Paul was so true that even in the face of persecution and potential death, what does it mean? It means, well, if I'm absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord. So uh, it, it's exciting to hear this going on. Hey, let's pause for a quick a moment. I want to get updated on some traffic here and come back to uh, this report we're receiving from Pastor Hormoz Shariat. He is the director of Iran Alive Ministry and has been actively engaged in bringing the gospel in into the closed country of Iran for many, many years now. And um, he is reacting to a recent report broadcast by CBN News indicating that there has been a phenomenal openness to the gospel in Iran, particularly in the wake of COVID-19 and in spite of the risks. We'll get back to that discussion in a moment. Right now, though, let's get a look at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
As countries across the globe are grappling with the wake of the impact of COVID-19, it certainly, at least for some, maybe not everybody, but certainly for some, has caused us to pause, take some serious thought to inventory of who we are, where we are in our life, and for many of us, pondering our mortality and asking the important questions about what happens um, has certainly led to an increased number of people seeking the truth. And one country where that's been happening to a phenomenal degree is Iran. And Iran, of course, is a closed nation where, uh, to the best of my knowledge, with Sharia law in place, um, people who are certainly caught, so to speak, or open about their Christian faith uh, run the risk of being lashed, imprisoned, and if you're caught proselytizing, you can face the death penalty there. So people there have to be very serious about their faith, and yet in spite of the totality of the risks or being rejected by not just um, the officials at an institutional level, but even by friends and family, is a real one. And yet growing numbers of Iranians are willing to take that risk. With us today is Pastor Hormoz Shariat. He is the director of Iran Alive Ministry. And by the way, you get more information about the wonderful work that they're doing online by going to iranaliveministries.org. You'll also find lots of great resources there, uh, YouTube video testimonies of many stories of people coming to faith in Christ in Iran. And it, you know, it, it's something where, as I indicated, uh, Pastor Hormoz, they really have to count the cost, that not unlike our, our spiritual forefathers of the first century church, um, they understand that there are very real inherent risks to being straightforward with their faith in Christ, aren't there? Uh, they, they know that. Uh, that's an Islamic country led by clergy who are very cruel. You're talking about protests in the streets of America. You see that, and... Uh, the police brutality is under question, but just look at Iran. You go on streets to protest. Protest what? Protest the embezzlement of the government. Uh, protest the cruelty. And you go on streets to protest, you get killed. It's, it's not just brutality. They shoot you on the street. So people who come to Christ in Iran, they know what they're doing. They have experienced Islam for 40 years. And now they look at Christ, and they decide to follow Christ. So the turning of Iran as a nation to Christianity, first of all, it is foretold, it's prophesied in Jeremiah 49, verse 38. It talks about God saying, I will set my throne in that land. It talks about Elam, which is completely inside Iran today. That That's... Number one is because God God said it, and it is happening. And number two is people um, have experienced Islam for 41 years. What I'm saying is this is not an emotional overnight decision. This is it took them 40 years to make that decision. It's very deliberate, and it's based on knowledge and experience. The rejection of Islam is so deep and wide that I can boldly say Iran will be a Christian country, because Jeremiah 49 says that, but it will never, never go back to Islam, ever again. The rejection is so wide and deep. And we, as Christians in the West, number one, get encouraged. If God can work like that in a country like Iran, how much more 
it can work in us and through us in the U.S., especially during these uh, trying times in the West. Uh, it's a battle for the soul of America going on. And we Christians, we need to shine. We need to, we need to stand up for our faith and lovingly proclaim the truth of the gospel. Now, going back to Iran, in that oppressive environment, they're doing it. How much more we can do it in America with the freedom we have? You know, when I, when I uh, became a Christian, uh, it was like in the early 80s, and they arrested my younger brother, who was 16 years old. And they kept him for two years because of minor political charges. And then they shot him. They killed him. They executed him. The government of Iran. I went through some struggle in my soul. God, I'm a new Christian. What, what is this? This is injustice. Um, I'm, I'm just mad. I want to take revenge. And I remember just praying, and I felt God telling me, no, 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 revenge is mine. God, he said, God, but I'm, I'm just, I hate him. Oh, yes. I'm not supposed to hate. I'm supposed to even love my enemies. Oh, God, I'm angry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I cannot be angry because if you're angry, you've killed your brother. So I said, God, what am I supposed to do? Can I just cast some so I can feel better? <laughs> then I remembered, no, you cannot worship with your mouth and then uh, cast at the same time. So I want to share with you, it was a time I felt, this is many years ago, God is going to save Iran. I felt God telling me. I am going to save Iran. I'm giving you the honor to be part of it. And I said, God, would you use me to bring one million Muslim souls to Christ to my lifetime? I didn't know what I was asking. Years later, through satellite television, we are seeing hundreds of thousands of Muslims over the last 20, year, 20 years coming to Christ. So uh, it, it's, a, uh, it's a call on my life. And I've, I've just written a book going to come out on September 1st, and I tell this story. I was in the Silicon Valley, and not many people know. I was there for first to do research um, at the Lockheed Artificial Intelligence Lab. I have a PhD in AI, and I was in Palo Alto doing research. That's when I started uh, reaching out to Muslims, and I uh, evangelized them, and people started coming to Christ in my living room. Then, with the help of others, we started a church that grew to be a, a hundreds and hundreds of Muslims come to Christ. But uh, at one time, God asked me, drop it. I need you on this front. And I switched. I went from research scientist to a church planter. And I'm, it wasn't easy. It hasn't been easy. But I'm so glad I said yes to the Lord, because there's history there is history in the making in Iran, and God is calling people like me and you to be history makers. Well, and, and certainly as you point out, Pastor, and I appreciate you sharing that because it, it's important, I think, to underscore that as much as we saw back in the late 70s, Iran go through a pretty significant um, uh, political revolution, some might even suggest aspects of a, of a cultural revolution. There was religiosity to it, to be sure, uh, but it wasn't a true faith. And yet here we are today, 40 years after that, and now there is a spiritual revolution that's taking place. And this one is real, and it is significant, and it could potentially, as we think about all of the vilification of Iran down through the years and the difficult relationship that it's had with so many countries, probably most notably our own, to see that in spite of all of that, 
God will have his way and is doing an amazing thing. So I, I want you to be, uh, for those of you that are prayer warriors, be praying for uh, not just the people of Iran and for the continued openness and willingness to respond to the gospel, but also for the work and ministry of people like Pastor Hormoz Shariat of Iran Alive Ministry. And put them on the top of your prayer list, would you? More information available at Iran Alive Ministries, that O-R-G, that's Iran Alive Ministries.org. And we'll be sure to have you back on, Pastor, when that book comes out in September. Look forward to that. 5.33 the clock. Let's pause and get you updated on some traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. The history of the impact of our insatiable appetite in the West, well, and much of the world for that matter, uh, for shiny things on our fingers and around our necks, has sadly impacted tens of hundreds of thousands, maybe down through history, millions of lives. You have stories of people that have given their lives unwittingly for conflict diamonds in places like Sierra Leone, Liberia, Guinea, Ghana, Brazil, Venezuela. In fact, a recent report issued by the BBC regarding Sierra Leone reports that since 1990 alone, 75,000 have been killed in that country in the southwest coast of Africa in mining accidents. 75,000. And most recently, earlier this month, Miramar, the old Burma, was in the news once again because of a tragic jade mine mudslide there, which claimed the lives of 174 miners, over 100 accounted for and unaccounted for and assumed dead, and 54 injured. To give us an update on the impact of this, K.P. Yohannan joins us, founder and director of Gospel for Asia. And K.P., as always, a delight and a privilege to have you with us. I know that this is important because there is a presence of Gospel for Asia working in that part of the world and, um, and some concern that there might have even been people involved with um, the church impacted by all this. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, this um, uh, came to us as a massive shock because we, we do have some 400-plus um, churches planted in that country, and uh, great numbers of them are up there in the northern part of the country uh, where uh, this um, you know horrific uh, mudslide um, uh, that um, killed, uh, as you said, over 170 people. And... Um, by God's incredible grace and mercy, although we have uh, uh, several dozens of churches uh, in and around that area, uh, no uh, Christians known uh, from uh, the churches were killed. Uh, that particular day happened to be, for many of them that usually go to work in the mine looking for jade, and uh, the jade mine uh, were late uh, to go to work um, um, because of some program they had. And so the, the, their lives were spared, but um, the report continued to pour in of the uh, thousands of people who are still in crisis of having um, lost their father and brothers and husbands. And um, 
the, the pain uh, um, and restoration to um, bring these people to some hope. Um, it's going to take months and months of time and um, 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 dozens of our workers and um, um, uh, pastors and church members are working um, among these people right now, um, taking care of whatever they can do, basic needs and food and whatever else for the families. Um, and, and more important, um, you know, praying with them and helping them also uh, during this crisis. And, of course, uh, Miramar has been buffeted by all kinds of challenges between uh, the civil wars uh, back a decade ago and, and, and conflicts there at the political level. And, and while there have been some democratic reforms, um, the, the transition into a, a traditional democracy in, in total really hasn't happened yet. And, and, and part of this has made ministry there very challenging, has it not? Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, you know, now I was I was there just a few months ago meeting with the vice president of the country and his um, family, uh, someone who really believe in Christ. Um, uh, but, um, you know, prior to that, you know, the previous, um, you know, military government, we faced huge amount of difficulties, you know, uh, people were kidnapped from their field uh, to work. Um, uh, wherever the soldiers ordered them, then one of our uh, senior men was um, imprisoned for 10 years uh, or more, and they confiscated all his uh, property and everything else. Um, the opposition for God's work was quite severe, yet um, in spite of all that, um, you know, people were coming to Christ, um, but now with more open freedom, um, I, I wouldn't say it is, you know, in Sri Lanka and any of these places where you have a hardcore Buddhist um, uh, opposition is uh, a real thing. If, if you remember, you know, in 1800s when Adunaran Judson uh, went to Burma as the first missionary from America to go there, um, you know, how much he suffered. They tortured him and, um, um, and, and the persecution was immense. Uh, yet, you know, they credit over a million people that uh, came to the Lord through his suffering and his service and others who worked there. So we have quite a few of the missionaries uh, went through um, massive amount of persecution, beating and imprisonment and all that, yet um, people are hungry for the gospel and they're turning to the Lord. Um, and uh, that is the, the joyous thing. When I was there, you know, I was meeting with some 5,000 people in one area, um, that um, most all of them came to know the Lord from uh, Buddhist background. And, um, um, uh, you know, it just preaching the gospel, bring hope, and they respond. Uh, yet, I cannot say in any of these nations we have um, freedom like we have in the States, um, um, you know, to be publicly uh, doing things in the name of Christ. But we do have lots of, um, you know, uh, Bridge of Hope children's uh, education process started schools and big uh, 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 clean water wells and, um, you know, medical outreach. All these are helping us. But in a disaster situation like this, it happens once in a while. Of course, you know, the ethnic war that was going on uh, there that, 
caused um, hundreds of thousands of people to leave Burma into Bangladesh uh, in abject poverty and crisis where a lot of our missionaries are working among them, um, bringing some hope. And so these are areas where, generally speaking, the book of Acts is still alive. Uh, people are turning to the Lord if we can get to them, um, preaching the gospel and bringing hope through whatever means we can, and they do listen. And this is uh, an opportunity in the coronavirus, my goodness. Um, you know, I was telling somebody today, the coronavirus may be uh, a 10% problem, but 90% of the problem is starvation. Uh, there's no job, uh, nothing they can make a living from. Uh, the daily wage earners uh, have nothing to do, and people are starving. And uh, one of these countries, I read about a mother throwing five of her children into the river, killing them. Mm. And when the police caught up with her, she said, I cannot watch anymore my children crying uh, and starving. And she was going to end their life also. And um, so this coronavirus season in Burma, in um, um, in the subcontinent there, it's, it's a big, big problem. There's not a day go by, you know, I get telephone calls talking about crisis that's going on. Um, but in the midst of that, this mudslide takes place. All of a sudden, it's a whole community is impacted and going through suffering. Indeed so. And of course, you know, challenging as we indicate with a majority Buddhist population in a place like Miramar, and yet, as you indicate, KP, that, that hunger that is there. And there's much to be praying about because certainly the challenges um, for Church planters working on the ground in many of these countries uh, are finding huge complexities to deal with in the wake of the impact of COVID-19, much as we talked about in Iran, where some of it has led to people being more open to the gospel. And while there's certainly openness, there's also a tremendous sense of, of desperation and physical need. So be praying for Miramar and the work of Gospel for Asia, not just there, but across the globe in key countries like India and elsewhere. And you can get more information about what's going on with the work and ministry of K.P. Yohannan and Gospel for Asia by going online to gfa.org. That's gfa.org. Our thanks to K.P. O'Hannon, founder and director of Gospel for Asia, for that report. 548 from KFAX. Let's get you a look at traffic right now. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. If you haven't taken notice, let me remind you, we've got a pretty uh, hotly contested election <laughs> coming up in November. I say that with tongue firmly planted in cheek. And, and while we've heard some discussion by the candidates on issues like COVID, the economy, voting rights, civil rights, all important issues to be sure, let's be mindful that there are other issues, critical issues at stake that while perhaps not getting much attention and airplay in the media, are nevertheless issues that we need to be keenfully aware of. Joining me now with the report is Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, host of Life Matters, heard every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. And, and you know, Brian, in, in, in some ways, we would think that this was just kind of a, uh, a single-topic election, uh, be it the perspective on 
dealing with COVID-19 or dealing with the economy. But as I suggest, there are really some critical issues kind of bubbling down below the surface that aren't getting near the amount of attention they should get. That's right, Craig. And as you know, on our issue, uh, we see the pop media constantly trying to massage the life issue in a direction that the less informed or the more casual listener to the news might be confused. And what we're seeing about the Democrat nominee, Joe Biden, is that it's being implied that, you know, he's not as radical as some, he's not as bad as some of those others. And we see that some of the others, yes, are bad. But in point of fact, he is just as radical as Planned Parenthood, as promised he will continue to fund Planned Parenthood. And yet the pop media is tending to present him now, you know he's Roman Catholic, do you know he has a rosary he carries with him? And implying, and then when it comes to policy, using some very vague language that, as we've discussed before, is intentionally misleading and avoids really looking at the issue. Words like women's reproductive rights. Well, he's going to assure women's reproductive rights. There's nothing reproduced when you kill a human baby. That is not an adequate description of what they're committed to. So we're seeing more and more of this now as we get closer because there are a lot of Democrats that are actually pro-life in their heart. They may go to a Catholic church. They may be regular church attendees or maybe irregular. But they know intuitively that killing a human being, ripping it up or selling its body parts, they don't believe in that. And so the Democrat party now and really the media at large is trying to soften how this particular gentleman is standing on the issue. But Joe Biden has committed himself to the unlimited practice of abortion without restrictions. You can't restrict it because if you do, you're limiting choice. And to the government funding of this procedure at every level. So it's important to to keep our eyes on this and to remember what's at stake because as I know you believe, I believe, it's the only reason I'm doing this, that this issue, will the law protect the innocent? This issue is the dominant issue, but it's constantly being redefined and by the pop media in a way to try to make Joe seem just like a nice guy. And it's important to remember that. And, and with all of that, and again, you know, th- th- this is an issue, as we've seen in court cases before the Supreme Court and battles taking acro- place across the state, th- th- this is an issue that's going to be uh, very much front and center uh, come 2021 and moving forward, particularly should there be an opportunity for a Supreme Court appointment. And, uh, you know, I, I, far be it for me to make any predictions here, but we know, at least in the case of one member of the high court, there are some serious health challenges taking place uh, that may very well open up an opportunity for an appointment, which could change the face of that court pretty significantly and for a long time to come, therefore potentially having a significant impact on the future of cases decided by the high court related to abortion. Oh, clearly. I mean, that really is the enduring legacy of any chief executive, is the court. And this court now is so fragile on this issue. We've made some great strides, and a lot of it is people understanding what's at stake. 
you know, the fact is, is that people are starting to understand it's not just the federal government, too, that abortion funding, to which Joe has committed unlimited funding, no limits, abortion funding is at every government level, the state level as well, the county level, even cities. And we've mentioned, I'll take this liberty, right now, posts are open in your county to run for school board. Planned Parenthood loves being involved in government and in the schools. But there are positions open in your local school boards, on city councils, on supervisor councils, and on advisory boards. So I want to encourage folks, it isn't just on the national level, as important as the Supreme Court is, as important as the presidency is, there are opportunities to take back your community. And, by the way, we're talking about that on Life Matters this weekend. Some All right, good reason for folks to tune in. To yep. You bet. Good reason to tune in, and we invite listeners to check Brian's program out, Life Matters, every Saturday at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. Podcasts and additional resources available to you at CaliforniaProLife.org. That's CaliforniaProLife.org. And our thanks to Brian Johnston for that update right here on KFAX. All right. Approaching the 6 o'clock hour, that means we've got some headline news for you coming up in just a moment. But first, let's get a look at traffic.